What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Antler Up podcast. And on today's episode, Dimitri and I are joined by Chris Ham. And Chris lives and works in Wisconsin, where he is the co-owner of HHA Sports and the founder and president of HHA USA. We cover the business side of things in the beginning of this episode. We talk about how HHA Sports has been in business for over 30 years and how they've continued to grow and develop. To go along with this episode, we discuss the big debate question of the single pin versus multi-pin sites and the unbelievable work he is doing for veterans with HHA USA. We had a really great time chatting with Chris and hope you enjoy this one. Before we get into this episode, I want to thank our partners over at Onyx. And one of my favorite features that we're able to use is just simply naming our waypoints. Immediately after I drop a waypoint, I give it a name so I remember uh, exactly what I'm marking. It's that simple. So when I share that waypoint with my dad or Dimitri, they know exactly what it is. Uh, no, just not an unnamed uh, waypoint. And remember, when you sign up, elite memberships, you get a exclusive member benefits page that will include discounts from Top Rut, Exo Mountain Gear, Vortex, and much more. So go download Onyx Hunt app at onyxmaps.com. And also want to thank our partners over at First Light. And one of the pieces of gear that I love wearing this past season, and I'll be wearing it a ton scouting and during turkey season, are the obsidian pants. And these pants are stretched merino nylon fabric. Uh, they work conjunction for movement and flex and with your body, so which provides a ton of durability while preserving the qualities you love all in merino. So I love them. I wore them out west. I wore them during turkey season last year, scouting and up in the saddle. These are fantastic pants. They're still kicking strong. No rips, no tears. I love them. So more great things to come soon, specifically for you whitetail hunters from First Light. So check out firstlight.com. And last but not least, I want to thank our partners over at Shea Butler Knives. He makes those custom knives with the whitetail and uh, the rhino, which is my everyday carry one. Unique designs coupled with the precise leather work. Uh, man, he, he makes these products that will last a lifetime awesome dude. Uh, he's also the individual that makes our hats and he gets brought up in this podcast a couple times too. So Shay, if you're listening, man, thanks for all that you do. Check out shaybutlerknives.com. Everybody hope you enjoyed this episode. Chris, thank you so much for coming on till next time. Antler up. So everybody, we have Chris Ham on HHA Sports, HHA USA. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for taking the time out this evening to join us. And I'm excited to, you know, we're starting to already get going, man. So thank you for coming on. I'm, I'm excited. I, I love, like I said, I love coming on these things and it's just, it's fun to, to share my story and talk about my passion with, with people. So. Well, wonderful. We, Dimitri and I, we were talking and the one thing I, uh, I really wanted to talk about the business side of things and, you know, we'll talk about hunting obviously and who you are just because I find it very fascinating when you look at HHA and you just told us just now, you've been doing this since you were nine years old because of your father, you know, give a quick, it's been over 30 years that HHA has been in business. That is one phenomenal feat, especially in this day and age where it just seems like every other year there's a new company coming up of whether it's arrows and stabilizers and sights and, you know, bows and nothing other than like the big, big names. It's really hard to kind of stay on. It's like, if you already have a falling, you're good. And if it's hard to get that falling, you know, so someone like you, where it's been in your family for over 30 years, like talk about, you know, first off, talk about HHA, the history and, um, your role from the beginning to where you are now and then we'll kind of i guess what pick apart a little bit of of going through that that sounds good yeah i mean i would not want to I mean, you talk about the new companies coming in i wouldn't want to be a new company in 2021 coming into this industry because i mean it's it's dog eat dog and you know especially in the last half dozen years or so there's so many private equity firms that have bought companies out um so, so there's not a lot of family-owned independent businesses in our industry anymore um and my dad, uh, my dad passed in July of 2019. So he's been gone for it'd be two years here in July. Um, he was born and raised central Wisconsin, as was my mother. Um, dad got into archery in the, in the late 60s um, when it was still stick and string and recurves yep. and longboats and all that stuff. So he was at the at the you know when the compounds came out. Dad had one of the first compounds. So uh, he was a uh, a business guy by trade worked in manufacturing but always had a creative mind so he would whittle away in the basement and 
make gadgets and show them to his buddies and uh that took place in the in the late mid to late 70s uh yeah i moved to minnesota for work in the mid 70s so i was actually born in minnesota even though okay. i you know been in, been in wisconsin since 78 but dad uh started the business tried to start it in the late 70s had a couple stops and starts got some investors in the mid 80s 1984 we came out with one product and it was the knucklehead folding stabilizer so stabilizer was the first piece that's pretty awesome first product. So yeah for for trivia buffs out there the first product hha ever had was the <laughs> was the stabilizer so and now you just kind of, yeah you're just coming out with some new ones this year but what's old is new again so we're, we're coming out with 20 2021 versions of stabilizers but that was the very first product he was the only employee uh, like I said, I was nine years old, so I would have been in you know third or fourth grade at the time, um, and that was the only—it's the only job I've ever had. So I mean, starting awesome. ch- child labor law is probably not so friendly <laughs> on some of the stuff they did back in the day, but um, yeah, it, it's all I've ever done. So I mean, the the company evolved slowly in that first decade or so. We got into uh, cardboard deer targets, silhouette deer targets. We were one of the first ones to do those. Okay. I remember bringing those home from a, from a warehouse across town in the family station wagon. You know, we'd get an order for a dozen boxes and we'd have to take two trips with the station wagon to bring the targets back. <laughs> so, uh, we did releases. We did, uh, like I said, stabilizers, arrow rests, quivers. We actually had a broadhead at one time, which that's kind of in our hall of shame because it was not sharp at all. <laughs> Um, I think the plastic spoons at, uh, at McDonald's were sharper than our broadhead. That's probably why they didn't sell. But, and then it was 1995, either 95 or 96 when the optimizer came out. So okay. that's when a lot of people started to, to hear about HHA a lot more. And from 96 to about 2010, it was just a steady kind of a rise to stardom, if you will. Right. Um, I had gone off to college, tech college came back to work full-time in 96 so it was right around the time the optimizer came out my brother uh who does all of our engineering did a lot of the design work with my father when he was still living uh he came back in the fall of 91 because at that point we were still uh using outside machine shops to make our parts so we weren't super competitive on price and not very profitable so dad finally said hey you've got you've got to come back to work and start a machine shop for us so that's what he did with my brother and uh the plan was for my brother brian was to design the product run the machines while it lasted almost about two months and we got so busy that we had to hire an operator for the for the machine shop and now we've got six cncs and about uh 10 or 12 uh, full-time and wow. part-time employees at our machine shop so that's awesome that's really really neat i think too when you have that close connection because i I didn't write much down. And the one thing that I did write down was, you know, how to separate your company for being in the business for over 30 years. And the one thing that I have, like I put longevity, you know, what brings that longevity? And I put that connection. And I feel like that you're a family owned business. You're able to build connections. And you said like, you could like with your podcast, I know I'm jumping ahead here and and we could talk a little bit about that in the future. You know, you were able to build these connections and say, no, like, I'm building it. Like I'm helping my brother. I'm helping my father do this type of stuff. Would you say that's kind of been a, you know, a, a close, you know, a big thing is building HHA? For sure. I mean, the family connection, I mean, people still, you know, I've got dealers that we've been selling product to for 30 years. Um, and they, and they remember that about us. I mean, yeah. it's always been that family feel. It still is. Um, another thing that we kind of hung our hat on was our lifetime warranty. That's something that we've had people drive products over with their trucks and their ATVs and we replace them no questions asked I mean yeah, yeah it costs us a little bit of money but the, we have lifetime customers because of that yeah and then the fact that our products made in the USA and you know, so we, we pride ourselves on that so the, the, the family aspect a lifetime warranty made in the USA and then our customer service those things have really kind of kept us at the at the forefront of the industry for as long as we have right and you talked about too and the optimizer being the first you know big you know kind of I don't, I don't want to say big break for you, but, uh, you know, that's kind of what you said, just kind of really set you yourself, yourself apart with the single pin site. And I mean, that's what I use. And I really, I heard you want in an interview talk about that is your prime thing. And I've, I always found it very difficult to use a multi multi pin site. Um, so I really want to dive into it here talking about the, especially for us, cause I know you're a big whitetail guy. You always hear the the single pin versus multi pin uh, argument, and 
Um, I know Dimitri had a, a little run in this past year, and I told you we're, we're getting ready to fit some brand new bows, and we're looking at some new sights and stuff. And uh, I, I, uh, I love a single pin sight. Just the way my what what works in between my ears is to get the, op- the as much open uh, in my peep as I possibly can. When there's too many things in there, it drives me nuts, and I'm thinking, and I, I shouldn't be thinking, and when I should just see. Like I'm the baseball guy, so I see ball, hit ball, <laughs> you know. So, yeah. uh, so when I pins on, I I'm I'm going. I'm letting that arrow fly. Um, so, where did you, as a company, and designing the optimizer, say, okay, how can we continue to get this going? Because then you had, you know, that now you're through the Tetra Max, and that thing is, you know, for myself, like I told you, I love the Tinker. I love to have different arrow setups, whether it be from 3D to, uh, you know, maybe going out west to my whitetail. I just love, I love tinkering, especially with arrows and that Tetra max just seems to be the creme de la creme as far as, you know, bow sights go. Yeah. I mean, we built that, that came out in the, the Tetra max originally was the optimizer kingpin back in 2015. So I mean, that site's going on six years old now. And that was at that point, you know, you're looking at 20 years of design and engineering that went into that. So uh, it was kind of the culmination of all those efforts. And, and a lot of people probably don't know this, but the, the removable wheel concept actually came from a gun product that we had, I want to say 2013, 2014, uh, some people might be familiar, crossbow shooters might be familiar with our, our crossbow mount, which instead of shooting multiple reticles, you can shoot one dot and then elevate it to the to the yardage that you want, okay. similar to how you can on a single pin bow sight. And we thought, well, man, the gun market is definitely larger than crossbows and archery. Let's try to see if we can get some of that market share. And it, it, just, it, it was dead on arrival, unfortunately. People just didn't know us in the gun market. And so the product was a fail. But when the kingpin came around, it's like, well, hey, we could probably use that removable spool technology on a bow sight because there are people like yourself that like to tinker and they shoot a different arrow for elk hunting versus 3D versus indoor spots. So right. um, been a huge, huge feature on that Tetra Max, uh, you know, something that we have patented. There's nobody else that's really doing that. So uh, it definitely sets us apart. Yeah, and I think, too, like you said, being built from USA and the quality and is just unmatched. Yeah, and you talked about failures. I think it's important to realize for anyone maybe start wanting to start a company or, you know, maybe has a product that they're thinking of, of, of you've been in there for 30 plus years that you are going to have some failures. And, you know, not every product's going to take off and then be as successful as you want it to be. Maybe you can talk about that process of, you know, developing because you've done a little bit of everything in the archery industry and how that goes about of, you know, when it becomes an idea and then, you know, uh, trialing it to the, the point that it's a product that you're trying to sell um, just for someone that might be thinking about uh, a product or an idea for themselves. Yeah, I mean, there, we have had fails. I mean, you're, there, there's not a lot of optimizers or Tetris that come along <laughs> the line. When you, when you find them, you've got to ride them, to the, ride them all the way to the bank. So... Um, but I think our, as a company, I think we've gotten better over the years, just in our craft, as far as designing stuff goes. And like I said, my dad was the original designer. Um, my brother came along in 91, so he's been doing it for going on 30 years now. And I don't have a design degree and I'm, I'm the marketing sales, the financial guy. That's, that's my wheelhouse, but my brother still bounces ideas off of me. And I've, I've seen enough products design where I can be like, Hey, well, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And so, uh, and it goes down even as far as the folks that do all the assembly on this stuff. They, they come up with ideas too, because they're the ones that are putting it together day in and day out. So, uh, and, and then we also, I think something that we do a good job of, especially now with social media is that we tap into the customer base on what they actively want. Right. Because even though a lot of us are users, you can't get better feedback than the people that are out buying your products and using it and saying, man, right. I really love this, but, you should do this. Yeah, it's so and much so, easier now, I would think, compared to what you were probably dealing with early 2000s and the late 90s. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, phone calls. And I mean, that's that's one thing I kind of skipped over back when you were talking about us getting started. I mean, the, the landscape of how archery has, <laughs> has changed is just, uh, the world has changed. But I mean, I think back when we built our brand, there were no websites, there was no social media. It was all somebody putting something in your hands and saying, hey, try this. And, and the guy, you know, 
next to him at the at the deer banquet. Man, have you have you tried that new HHA site? That's how the word spread. Mm-hmm. So it's a that's a foreign concept for people that yeah. are probably thirty and under. They don't understand the. Or I shouldn't say don't understand. But I mean, it's just it's kind of a lost art as far as that grassroots marketing. And we we still rely on that heavily, even though we do have have the website and the and the social media presence. Yeah, no, I mean we've got the same a lot of the same customers that we've had for years, whether it be on the on the dealer side or the you know the consumer side. I mean we pe- people bleed green, you know yeah. that HHA green logo is uh, it's flying around in a lot of on a lot of bow cases and a lot of truck windows. So. Yep. Well, I just talked to my buddy Jim uh, about 20 minutes before Dimitri got here. He was FaceTiming me. He was showing me some things in his basement shop that he has built up and. Uh, he has an optimizer on a bow going out to a friend and he has the Tetra max on his bow and he had the green HHA sticker all over uh, a bunch of spots in there. So I, I will give nice. a shout out, give a shout out to Jim with Keystone archery, uh, precision archery out there in Lancaster, well, uh, Allentown area, Pennsylvania. So, but yeah, big talks about you guys constantly and, uh, what, what, a, you know, your, your, your message, your story about HHA USA, what you what you're doing in Wisconsin with that. So, well, before we continue, uh, Chris, let's talk about then your new products with the stabilizers for this year, and then let's get into that single pin, multi pin debate. Just because I'm I'm excited for that one because I'm I'm on your side of give me that single pin. So, um, okay. So what's what's coming in in uh, in the stores and the archery shops for 2021? I know we said already the the stabilizers, but what in particular? Because I know there's one really neat one that that you have in your lineup yeah i met a gentleman probably three or four years ago at one of my one of my veterans shoots that i put on here in wisconsin he happens to be a pastor about an hour up the road from us and super intelligent guy had just picked up archery probably a couple years before i met him okay but but very articulate he was an it guy he sat on the city council i mean the guy wore a million different hats and then we just instantly hit it off became close friends and uh couple years ago he said hey i've got an idea for a stabilizer that i actually have a patent on would you be interested in looking at it because he's pastoring a church full-time he doesn't he doesn't have it in his bandwidth to, to start up an archery company and and he likes me like what we're all about and so uh we partnered with him on that that's our our uh tetra lrz stabilizer so it's an adjustable stabilizer that you can actually move from six to nine inches in length but when you do that you're you're moving the weight up and down the rod so and uh, you can still add additional weights to the end of it. Okay. But it's something kind of unique that uh, I just think about, you know, yourself. I'm going to go back to you and how you like to tinker with stuff. You're, you're definitely not alone in that camp. There's more and more people that oh, want yeah. to trick their bows out and absolutely just dial them in. So you're you're driving tacks at 50 or 60 yards come hunting season. So uh, we, we, we launched that in January along with three other stabilizers, just your standard, uh, you know, 6, 8, 10-inch. And then we've also got a V-bar bracket, mm-hmm. uh, additional weights, and we've got sling. So we, we we jumped into the into the stabilizer market with both feet. It's definitely our best effort yeah, to no. date in that realm. So we're we're excited about it. No, that, they're awesome. And I know my buddy Taylor Chamberlain, the uh, Hunt Urban down there in DC area. I know he loves your your rest that you have going on, and um, you know I know he actually just recently did a video on it too, which is pretty cool and. Uh, so yeah, so it's it's funny. HHA is all over the map now. So you have the the sites and the the rest, and now obviously with the uh, your new stabilizers. Well, that's awesome, Chris. And uh, I do. I, I think the what you're saying is with the offering the different range of one stabilizer at, for tinkers. That's like a dream. <laughs> you know, you could. I never shot a lot of 3D myself, and still, I until I started putting on these uh, these 3D shoots. And Scott, my sales manager, does a lot of Western hunting and, and probably shoots more than I do. So he started shooting a back bar yep. four or five years ago, and I'm like, well, I got, I want to give that a try, and it really, really helped my shooting out at long distance. Yep. And the more and more of these shoots I did, you're, you're uh, I'm not going to call them your average hunter, but I mean, there was an awful lot of bow hunters that, that weren't target guys that were running a back bar, and so the more we saw that, it's like man, we should probably try to try to get into that market because the, you know, we're obviously still very entrenched in the sites. We're not going to abandon that ship by any means because it's what brought us to the, to the party. Yeah. But at the same time, um, you know, we, we, we think that our name has gotten out there enough now after being around for almost 40 years that we can put it on other products, be it arrow rest stabilizers, you know, maybe at some point we get back into the release business or quivers. I mean, there's the, the sky is really the limit. So for us to, for us to be around for another 40 years and compete with 
lot of these private equity companies that have bought up site manufacturers, rest manufacturers, release manufacturers, we kind of have to have that same right. concept going within our own walls. Absolutely. Well, I know with that, that stabilizer being adjustable, that's, that's huge for a lot of people. Cause I know even when I got my Numbo a couple of years ago, I, I really didn't know where I wanted to go with yeah. the size of that stabilizer. You know, you read so many different things and everyone has a different opinion of, you know, size doesn't really matter. Some people really like longer, you know, and it's kind of what's comfortable for you. But I mean, if you're going to go out there and spend the money and you get something and you use it, I mean, then you have to think about trying to sell it or buying something different. Well, at least with that, you can kind of, shoot at one length and then kind of try a different length and then you know you have everything in that one purchase and you can kind of figure out what's best for you instead of trying to guess and then you also have different you know scenarios where maybe you're in a blind or you know when you're in a tree stand you have some limbs you know you can do that micro tuning adjustment where you know you might have a little bit more room or less room that you can kind of move that around yeah, it makes for a versatile setup. I mean, right now our you know ten inches our max, and we've already. I mean, we were. I don't even think we were shipping product yet, and we had people here. Are you going to do a twelve? Are you going to do a fifteen? Are you going to do a thirty? It's like, well, at some point probably we will. We just kind of wanted to put our toe in the water with this and see how it goes. But the the early returns have been have been very positive, so we're excited about that's, it. That's that's awesome, man. Well, congrats on that, and excited to see what you know what more setups with those are going to look like on. But all right, Chris. Well. Let's talk about the single pin, multi pin site. I I uh, debate just because when I I felt like when I moved to a single pin uh, five years ago, it, it really changed my shooting. Um, I felt more comfortable. I felt felt more confident. Uh, and then you hear you always hear about oh when a deer, you know, you don't know what you, and you don't know what a, an animal is going to do regardless of the species. So I think. You know, where do you want to start with this one? I don't know. I mean, it, I guess maybe he can give some insight of what, you know, what he suggests. And, and I mean, he's seen a lot more. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you've been doing it. Than, <laughs> than we have and, and probably tinkered with a lot more of different multiple pins and single pin. And maybe he can kind of start us off of what he thinks and we'll dive off of that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I started shooting a bow when I was three or four years old. So, I mean, I think back to the early to mid-80s. I mean, that was way pre-optimizer. But my dad had me shooting, and we all shot single pins back then. I think it was the old Acra sites, and there was a, boy, what was it? It was a Hawkeye. It was out of Escanaba, Michigan. They had a brass, it was a brass pin, but it, but it was illuminated on the end. And I remember it was red, um, and it was probably... 60 thousandths i mean now we're i, I shoot a 10 thousandths fiber optic now this is probably a 60 thousand uh but that that was what i shot you know it was just it was single pit because we're, we're midwest guys we're flatlanders we're hunting whitetails at you know under 30 yards so and yeah. back then the bullets were a lot slower so so a 20 yard shot was a long one and then you know once the optimizer came out that just it totally fit my shooting style and as the bows have gotten progressively faster i mean that's a even though we do have a multiple pin site, you know, a faster bow is really not very friendly with a multi-pin site because, you know, back in the mid eighties, you have three or four pins and they're, they're spread that far apart. And all of a sudden they're like this and it, yeah. it looks like a lot of skills out there. And, and how do you, how do you pick which one to put on the animal? Well, that's what I, I ran into the same problem. I mean, I was always a multi multi-pin guy growing up and, you know, I think most people were. And then, uh, when, uh still my older bows i i did go to a three pin slider um so i kind of like that site a little bit because it did take some pins off but i did have the adjustability of of being able to dial it further if i needed to but then uh same thing you just talked about when i when i got a new bow a couple years ago it was a faster bow and you know i tried setting up the three pins of what normally people do 20 30 40 and i mean my 20 and 30 were almost you know touching each other and i think a lot of people that have problems focusing or you know maybe they're not ocd or adhd but i mean 
you know, some people just have a hard time focusing when there's multiple things in front of you, right? Yeah. And so what I did is I went to the single pin uh, for that reason, just because I didn't have everything so close and it's really hard to aim when there's not that much space in between. And, you know, I, I got a lot more accurate with my yeah. shooting. Um, and I also only had one thing to focus on that target, which I really enjoyed, you know, and especially out in the, we are preparing for Utah this summer so we were really stretching it out and that was kind of the first time for me that i was shooting at much further distances than i felt comfortable you know harvesting an animal at so you know i think that played a big role in that uh being more accurate this year yeah i mean i don't want to throw anybody under the bus for shooting a multiple pin I mean, we have a multiple pin and we've had several of them over the years and, and my opinion and i think the sales speak for it i mean the one that we came out with last year the new four pin is hands down the nicest multi-pin save we've ever had so we can put that on one of our bodies and it's a it's a slam dunk for the for the person that wants that hybrid site but for me personally you know i i don't think i've ever killed a deer beyond 30 yards just because that's this is the hunting i do and even if i did you know people say well what happens if all of a sudden you have a deer 40 yards well i shoot my bow enough and i think if you do especially with the speed of these bows nowadays that you can you can set it at 25 and you're probably good from zero to 40 without having to touch it. Yeah. Just, just by knowing how your bow performs. And then my argument is, well, what if it's out at 50? Well, if it's out at 50, chances are you're probably going to have to range it anyway. Yeah. Whether you've got a single pin or a multi-pin sight. So if you're doing that, why not take the extra second and go, okay, he's 48 yards. Yeah. Dial it to 48. Now, now it's spot on. Now you're not gapping between your 40 and your 50 yard pin. Now, now you've got that confidence in knowing, hey, my range finder said he's at 48. Yeah, I know how I shoot at 48 yards. Well, that's what, that's what I think the one problem with the single pin is, and, and I'm guilty myself of this, is, you know, we're so used to just down that perfect yardage when we're out there in the, the yard shooting, you know, so you have time, you're ranging it, whether it's 34 or, you know, 33, and then you're setting your dial to exactly what that is, and then you're shooting, and you feel real comfortable, and you're, you're accurate. And I think what we forget is practicing situations right yeah. so maybe you have your pin set at 25 and the target's actually at 40 and and kind of going through that okay it's a little further i gotta adjust how i aim with the single pin and i think that's a lot of things that people forget to do when it, they're prepping for the season yeah i mean that's uh, not to totally change subject but i mean that's why i think that you know getting out and doing 3ds whether it's attack or an r100 or you know an asa shoot or something like that that's so important to get ready for seasons i mean regardless of how nice anybody's backyard practice area is i, I doubt you're going to have 100 targets to to shoot yeah. at on a given weekend so uh, and then somebody else has set them up so well, I've, I've just learned that in my half dozen years or so of doing 3d shoots it's really really helped my my shooting during the season we talked about a bunch of times uh, throughout the year of just saying, especially too, when in, before the season comes around of like Dimitri mentioned talking and uh, about practicing those in shot scenarios. And, you know, just like you said, I think too, like we practice those scenarios, but we're, we're cheating ourselves by not practicing those odd, you know, ranges like, Oh, that is at 28 yards. Let me shoot my 20 yard pin just to see where, where from this type of angle, because the height that I'll be up in a, in a tree is where will that impact the deer? And, uh, and what's really neat is I know you have on your YouTube channel actually, uh, is that, uh, I forget the name of the title, Chris, the individuals going through the, you know, the difference between if I have my pin set at 25, 30 and 40, and he shot at all those different yardages, the impact of, uh, of that. So it was kind of cool to see like where he set his dial then for the exact and knew exactly where to aim, which was, you know, that's helpful. And, and I'm glad actually you had that out there. Cause that's something where I plan on practicing that, the, that scenario particularly. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's, uh, yeah. Where would we be without YouTube? Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I know. Well, that's what I, uh, during the season, that's where I found the most trouble is when I had the most opportunities with a mature buck is during the rut, right? And there was craziness going on and the bucks are chasing does. And, you know, so I didn't have that slow opportunity of seeing him come in and know where he's going to go through the opening and range that and kind of set my dial. And, and so I didn't practice those scenarios in the off season. So when he was running frantically and into my openings and I wasn't quite sure 
of the yardage and I didn't have time to adjust my pin, I didn't feel comfortable. So I was always finding myself just wanting to grab my rangefinder and making sure that I knew the yardage and, you know, uh, might have lost a couple opportunities because of that. And I think yeah. we just forget of, you know, what could happen out in the woods and you got to think about every single scenario that you may encounter and practice that for you feel comfortable for them all. Yeah. Now, Chris, could you talk about maybe, because uh, I'm sure you've had this conversation a million times, oh, you know, since 1996 and 95. How do you sell someone on a single pin site that, you know, that is a particular, like, let's focus on a hunter and not the 3D type of individual. Like how, you know, what is like, where, where are you going? Just because I know for my, like my father uh, shot a multi-pin site and I got him on, uh, on, on a single pin two years ago and he is like, he loves it. And, uh, and his always gripe to me growing up was because of, oh, you, you don't know what the deer is going to do, Jerry, you know, and you, you, I could, I practice in all these different things. And I said, I know dad. And, uh, but I said, it clears up your view so much better for you. And I just know how he is and his, his eyesight and everything. I just knew this would be better for him. So like, where are you, like, what are your like top, like reasoning reasons why you're giving individuals like they should shoot a single pin. And I mean, I know, like you said, you're not, you don't dodge like talk bad about multi-pin but i just know like you said you you love single pin so like where where are you selling people on them i mean the first question i've always asked is what kind of hunting do you do that's you know if, if you're totally getting the 3d thing out of the way they don't do 3d they don't do target they're just strictly a hunter what, what kind of hunting scenarios are you in and then once they tell me that i'm like well, what's your longest shot and, and unless it's an out west thing typically people are well 20 yards 30 yards i'm like okay but then i've kind of got the hook half half set already because with as fast as the bows have gotten they don't really have an argument because then i, I will just tell them well wouldn't you rather just look at one pin and know exactly what the yardage is and i said if you have your pin set at 20 even if you shoot at 30 you're not going to be off by that much yeah and so then people kind of have a tendency to come around at that point and then you know if they do give the argument, well you know what if what if what if the deer moves what if the animal moves it then i'll go into the you know well set it at 25 28 yards and and if you shoot enough you're gonna know what your bow does so th then i then i go after the you know zero to 40 without having to move an argument and if that doesn't get them you know 99 times out of 100 it does so and, and i've had countless conversations emails with people over the years that have been hardcore multi-pin and then they switch and they're like man i wish i would have done this a lot sooner it's so much easier the yeah. target is so much clear there's you know you're looking at one pin so where we are hunting in in central pennsylvania it's thick it's nasty so our longest shots i mean depending on where we're at i mean it could be 11 yards you know you know so it's like that's where again like you're saying just having that single pin is just so nice uh for us and i like i said then for me to go out and practice and you know shoot long distances it's then that that fun is there as well i just um you know, and, and you talk about too the your echelon of the Tetra Max, just all the the um, micro adjustments that you're able to have on that, and is just phenomenal. Just looking at everything and just how it's well it's built. Yeah, it's really evolved over the years, and I mean, being in control of that manufacturing ourselves, I mean, we outsource a handful of parts, you know, that, that we can't make on our CNC machines. But I would say 90% of the stuff that goes on one of our sites goes through a through a CNC machine from somebody's hands here in central Wisconsin. We've got just a, a super fine beat dialed in on the on the quality and the you know how the production goes. So if we have an issue, we can quickly say, "Well, shut the machine off. We have to we have to dial in this part." Or yeah, it, it's very easy for us to react and and stay on top of the quality of the product. And then it goes over to our assembly, and and those folks have the same same passion for what they do as the machinists do. So it's it's all going through hard-working folks is answering here in, in the US of A and, and they all have an eye on quality so I love it well before we get into HHA USA Chris let's talk about what was your hunting season like this year because ours was very uh fill in the freezer and that was about it as far as doe management for us uh we didn't strike gold uh, on some on any mature bucks this year unfortunately uh wasn't for the lack of trying with us but um how, how was your season this past year it was good. I mean, I've, I've been blessed. We had a we had a farm in our family for over 100 years. There's a picture in my dad's garage, I think, from the late 1800s of, of his grandfather. It was about that tall. Um, and, I, and I wish we still had all the land 
is, I think back at the time of the turn of the century, it was like four or 500 acres that was all owned by the hams. Wow. And then unfortunately over the next hundred years, it whittled down to an 80. But uh, that's where I do all my hunting. It's only 15 miles from here. And so I don't, I don't travel to hunt anywhere else. I'm just I'm kind of a homebody and, <laughs> and traveled cool. enough back in the day promoting the business. And I just, I like sleeping in my own bed at night. And <laughs> within a half hour, when I leave my desk, I can be sitting in one of my redneck blinds. So it's a, it's a pretty sweet gig. But I had a buck that two years ago I had on camera. It was a really, really unique deer. He had split G2s on both sides. And I got a picture of him in June and I looked at it and I'm like, man, that deer looks familiar. And I thought that it was actually a buck that I had killed in 2019 that had just a very similar frame. And he, I thought he just lost his splits for some reason. But uh, long story short, it was a deer that I had on camera in 2018 and he had disappeared for a season, I think, because the buck that I killed in 2019, I got it with my rifle, actually my dad's old 30 got six. And it was my best buck today. He was 153 inch 10 pointer. Wow. But I think that buck kicked this other guy off the property. He was kind of the big kid on the playground. So this other one just vacated. And then when I, when I got my buck, this other guy moved in. So I chased him all fall. I saw him opening. The first night I went out was September 17th. I had him at about 80 yards off my food plot. And I didn't see him again for almost three months. Wow. I had I had pictures of him betting on the neighboring property that uh, that I just bought. I, I knew he was there. I was getting pictures of him every week, but he just would not would not show up. And then ironically, we, we have a four day doe season and uh, during during firearm season in December. And I had him walk out at 100 yards one night and I couldn't do anything about it. So I just sat there and watched him through my vortex optics. I didn't even I didn't even pick up my gun. I'm like, nope, I'm just going to watch him through my vinyls. And then uh, I ended up seeing him twice uh, in late late archery season between Christmas and New Year's before our season closed, and I didn't get him. So he's he's hopefully still around. He's probably going to be. I mean, he'll be a five year old here. He's probably going to be in the one sixties this year. Nice. Yeah, so, we. Uh, it, it was tough, man. I, it was really really tough this past year. I mean, a lot of people obviously had great success, but we struggled. <laughs> I didn't get anything with my bow. I ended up shooting a, a three and a half year old, like a 16 inch nine pointer with my, with my gun. And then I got a, got a doe for the freezer as well. So yeah. I ended up got, got meat in the freezer. Uh, my, my big guy's still walking and I'm, well, I guess we're only about seven months out less than that six and a half out season. So I'm, I'm excited to, to have him show up again this year. Yeah. I love that. You don't go anywhere. You're just yeah. that home. Like that's awesome. Like I, you don't hear that at all. No, I mean everybody. I shouldn't say everybody, but a lot of my friends in the industry. Oh, where'd you? Where are you going? I had a guy email today. Did you draw any tags for anywhere? I'm like, well, I drew a Wisconsin turkey tag. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy, man. Well, I just think but everyone thinks that they got to go to multiple states. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think, especially people in the hunting industry. I mean, I guess if you trying to be an influencer and you really want to show that you shoot big deer, I mean, you got to go different places to do that, but. You know, sometimes just hunting your home state is just better than nothing better than well, that. And sometimes too, like, I mean, families, you know, and, uh, you know, if you have other jobs and sometimes you're just not able to do it, like, you know, physical therapist is Dimitri, I'm a school teacher. So, I mean, it's tough to, to say, Hey, we need a week off to go to Kansas. And then two weeks later, Hey, <laughs> I need another week off to go to Ohio or something. You know, that's, that's tough. And uh, you know, kids and everything like that. So that's, I don't know. That's, I, ha, that's been a, that's a first for me to, you know, with someone, your pedigree of saying, nah, I just, I stay here and hunt my backyard. That's so stinking cool, man. Yeah. I mean, my sales, my sales manager, he, he treks all over. He goes to Illinois. He was, I think he was in Ohio. He actually went with uh, Taylor Chamberlain. Okay. Uh, late season in Ohio. I mean, he went out to uh, uh, Colorado and shot an elk with Brandon Adams. And I mean, he, that's why he's, he's our poster boy. He can travel. I like sleeping in my own bed. So. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Well, uh, let's talk about a little bit more about you, Chris. Let's say uh, the one thing my grandfather uh, was in, in the Navy for, for about 35 years, I think. Uh, and he was a, uh, I, I always forget the name of the movie with uh, Cuban Gooding Jr., where he was like the deep sea diver, and he worked on on like certain submarines and boats and stuff like that. But that's what my grandfather did, and he and my grandmother traveled the world. So they traveled for for many years, and uh, so even though I never served, Dimitri never served, I've always had a big close kind of 
big heart for for veterans and uh just because i know what what an impact it did for my grandfather and you know i noticed the work that you've been doing is you know even prior to us getting in contact i i've, I've seen what you've been doing uh as far as hha usa has gone and um i'm glad our paths have crossed finally i guess I, I could say to get you on and we could talk about it just because i respect that so 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 much um so let's talk about that like what is hha usa and you know why did you want to start start that yeah so hha usa it actually started out as nothing more than a a logo or a name on the door for our military discount program so back in probably 2012 2013 2014 we started getting hit up more and more from veterans either you know phone calls or through social media or emails hey do you have a, a military discount so we decided to put one in place uh, that they could either you know go direct through us and get it or we'd send them a form and they could take it to their local pro shops so that's kind of how hha usa had its birth was through our military discount program um, but then in 2000, I want to say it was 2015, uh, 2015, 2016, I was reading our local paper one night, you're a baseball guy, so you're probably going to know this guy, but a, a gentleman by the name of Jonathan Lucroy that used to be a yeah. catcher for the Washington Yep, yep. Uh, he had just made, I believe it was his first all-star team, and there was an article on him in our local paper, but then it talked about him going on the honor flight out of Milwaukee. Okay. And I had heard about honor flight a couple times. Um, we have a chapter about an hour from our house and I just, I started doing some more research into it and, and I had gotten connected through, uh, to Lucroy through somebody else that we knew in the industry. So he was shooting our product and I had, I think maybe gotten a couple sets of tickets and met, 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 met a game once or twice. And I just texted him and I'm like, tell me about this honor flight stuff. And he's like, dude, hands down the greatest experience of my life. Wow. And I was like, wow, here's a guy that just made the all-star team and he's putting honor flight up here. Yeah. And so at that point, I started to uh, I started to kind of explore it a little bit on my own. I was dating my my girlfriend at the time. Her father is a Vietnam veteran, and so um, just always had a lot of respect for him. I mean, he's the he's the closest person to me. We got we got married in 2017, but he's the closest person to me that's a that's a veteran. Okay. Uh, he served for a year and a half in Vietnam, um, but I started serving as a volunteer for my local honor flight chapter. And no sooner did I do that, I mean, I was like two two flights in, just, just as a boots on the ground guy here in, in Wisconsin and fell in love with it. I was like, man, this is this is awesome. I mean, if you've ever gone to an honor flight home, and for, I know I'm throwing the honor flight word around a lot for people that don't know what that is. It's a, it's a national nonprofit that sends World War II, Korean, Vietnam vets to Washington, D.C. to visit the memorials erected in their honor. So that's what honor flight does. Um, and as you know, a lot of the Vietnam vets did not get a warm, fuzzy welcome home at all. And so, uh, I mean, we've got a small local airport. I mean, you can almost throw a football from one end of it to the <laughs> other. But on a, on a night pre-COVID when they have a welcome home, there might be 800, 1,000, 1,200 people packed wow, into wow. this airport. And it's, it's. I mean, I get goosebumps just talking yeah. about it. It's a life-changing experience. So I did three or four flights as a volunteer. And then I was driving home from the airport one night and it just hit me. It's like, man, I've got a really, really successful archery business. How can I leverage that to raise money for this awesome cause? So long story short, we ended up putting on 2017, we put on three archery shoots within about an hour radius of our office. And that was just me using my influence in the industry to, to call guys and say, hey, can you send me a pair of boots? Can you send me a bow? Can you send me trail cameras? Um, so we basically have a big silent auction, almost like you can see at a White Tails Unlimited or a QDMA banquet in conjunction with an archery shoot. Right. And so 2016, we raised 15 grand. 20, I'm sorry, 2017. 2018, we doubled that to 30. 2019, we raised 45,000. So in, in wow. three years' time, we raised almost $90,000 for our local honor flight and handed it over to them. That's fantastic. So that's kind of how the whole thing got started. But the more of those shoots I did, I would have people be like, hey, can you, can you come here? Can you come there and do a shoot? And it's like, well, Right now, I'm just a volunteer for our local chapter. So uh, I got talking with my friend, Leroy, the gentleman that helped, uh, with, the, with the stabilizer. And he, we, we basically started talking about starting a nonprofit. And I actually, I think the conversation originally started with one of my best friends that, uh, that stood up at my wedding that's a veteran. He and I actually flew out to West Point in 2016 to the Warrior Games. Okay. And that that was kind of really a catalyst for between that and the honor flight it was like man 
my, my, my heart for veterans just grew at that point yeah. and I knew I had to do something. So, so fall of 2019, we got our 501c3. And last year we put on uh, eight shoots in Wisconsin and raised over $60,000. So that's, wow. that's awesome. And I know, uh, I congratulated Shay because I know he's Butler's given some knives and did for, for your shoots. And, uh, he and I were talking and he and I were, were going back and forth about, I would love to come out to visit him this summer just to kind of see his shop and hang out with him. And he's become a, a really big, good, really, really close friend of mine. He goes, well, you better time it that you could come out and we'll go out to Wisconsin together for one of the shoots. Uh, so, I, who knows? We might be coming out for a, a long weekend of, of some uh, some fun because it's funny because he always jokes. Uh, I said, hey, I have an idea. And he goes, what? I said, how about uh, campfire, some stories, some knives and some bows? And he goes, I don't like bows. I don't like making knives and I don't like campfires. And I don't like, you know, so just joking me. He goes, you send me the date and stuff. We'll, we'll get it down. So um, it's so cool. He's actually coming up. Cause I, I, I haven't met him face to face yet. We talked on the phone about him. Oh, maybe three weeks ago. Yeah. But, um, I, I've, and I'm going to go off on a little bit of a rabbit trip and come back pretty quick, but I, I don't handle much of the sales side of stuff at HHA anymore that, you know, Scott, my sales manager does a great job with that. We've got a couple of people else to do it. Um, so I've, I've been able to kind of step back into more of an administrative role and planning, but I still handle the military discount. So anybody that, emails HHA and lots of military discounts talking to me directly. Right. And so about a month ago, maybe six weeks ago, I got an email from a gentleman out of San Antonio that's a veteran and wanted a military discount. And we started emailing back and forth. And he tells me how he worked for um, another veterans nonprofit for the last three years. And his passion is getting veterans out shooting a bow. And I'm like, man, this is this is pretty cool. So yeah. email led to an hour phone call. Now he's basically on my pro staff, and he's actually flying up here in May for our first shoot to meet me face-to-face, shoot around a 3D with me, and he's the one that introduced me to Shay. Oh, that's awesome. So, it's uh, yeah, I, I shake my head. I, I have a very strong faith, and I, I believe that there are no coincidences. No, and and no. That, that's one thing that happened to me back in 2015, 2016, when I, when I was born again, is that God gave me a heart for veterans. And now I'm using my influence and my platform within the archery industry to help as many as I can. Yeah. Well, that's it. I think, you know, you could sit here and nitpick the hunting industry of all the bad things that goes on and, mm-hmm. you know, talk negative about it. But I think the one thing that the hunting industry does the best is really support the veterans. Cause I don't think there's any other industry or any, other, any other organizations out there that really put the effort that the hunting industry does into our veterans. And, yeah. you know, I know we talked about it with Isaac on our podcast from black rifle coffee is, you know, just the great things that, that these veterans are able to partake in and then that they really need a lot of this stuff, uh, to really help cope with a lot that they have going on. And, you know, archery or hunting is really that outlet. A lot of these guys need, and it really benefits them and gives them a place and a purpose here. I always relate it back. And and Chris, you could even, you probably have heard uh, a veteran uh, just because you've dealt with more on a personal level is I, I always heard Jocko talk about it on various podcasts where he says, you know, this gives him a new mission, you know, like where these veterans are, are so mission oriented where, you know, hunting is a new mission. It's a new, uh, it's a new mission for them to go on and, and get from point A to point B. And, um, you know, I'm sure that's, you know, they're, they're comfortable in that environment. And I, I don't know, I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly, Dimitri on, you know, it, it gives them almost like another purpose. For sure. And I mean, going to the warrior games, that really kind of cemented that with me. Because I mean, these, all of these veterans, whether it be males, females, they were all wounded in some way, some of it physically, some of it, you know, yeah. uh, TBI and PTSD. But I mean, they just, from what they've told me and what I've learned is that archery is something that they can, it, it's their escape. Um, and I mean, I've talked, I've talked to people already that, that putting a bow in their hand has literally saved their lives. Yeah. Um, we work with, so, so HHA USA, you know, when we, when we, when I started this, it was all the money was going to honor flight. But one thing I'm very passionate about is the 22 a day that commit suicide. Yeah. And I think being a, being a baseball guy, you'll appreciate this. So about 10 years ago, um, through another connection in the major leagues, I got to meet Adam LaRoche. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we 
partner with him. He he shoots our product on Buck Commander mm-hmm. and um, just just one of the most stand up individuals that I have ever met in my life. I mean, you know the story how he yeah. walked away from these falls so that he could spend more time with his family and, and a lot of people probably don't know this, maybe they do, but he actually two months after he retired from baseball, he was over at a brothel in somewhere over in Asia pulling underage girls out of uh, uh, sex trafficking situations. I mean, that's that's the kind of person that Adam LaRoche is. Yeah. And so when I started HHA USA, I wanted to partner with other like-minded people uh, that were passionate about veterans as well. And so Adam brings vets into his, his ranch out in Kansas. And um, so we, we partnered with him. We partnered with another group called the Meatstead Foundation and another group called uh, Wounded Warriors in Action. So our first 22% that we raise every year goes equally to those three groups to help them do what they do and get servicemen and women out hunting and fishing. Oh man, that's awesome. I commend you so much for that. I just think that's just phenomenal. And, uh, you know, you have your shoots out in Wisconsin and you also, uh, HHA is now doing the big partner with the R100 and, you know, there's one in Franklin, Pennsylvania in September. I know he and I will probably try to get to that one just because it's, it's before our hunting season. So why not, you know, take a short drive to Franklin from where we are to, go do that and uh I, I mean that's just that's just awesome it's it's a passion of mine and i just i was you talk about the support within the industry for veterans i was just looking at our website because I, I i don't update our website myself uh, the guys from bowhunting.com and rhino group you know todd graf justin czar they they did the website for us and uh sent the updates off to them yesterday and they got them done i was going through them tonight before we hopped on here and i counted i i now have 88 sponsors that sponsor us with product that's wow. phenomenal. That's that's. It, it just, I just I shake my head. I mean, whether it's trail cameras or boots or bows or arrows, releases, you know, you you name it. Uh, people just totally step up when it comes to veterans, and it's it, it's humbling to be able to use my success to benefit somebody else. Yeah, that's why you even see some of these uh, veterans shoot, whether they're you know they got injuries or you know things that they're dealing with and it really puts into perspective for us you know that maybe didn't serve of you know we have nothing yeah. to complain about and you know sometimes we we feel like we have it pretty bad and and you know i like seeing a lot of these shoots on social media and and really kind of puts my own self in check and balances of you know of priority sometimes and it's good for us to see this as as well as benefiting them as for the shoots yeah yeah i mean that you talk about you know what, what you just said i mean i remember distinctly going out to the warrior games in 2016 and sitting in the bleachers watching this gentleman shoot arrows at 20 meters that had i mean he was you couldn't recognize his face i don't know what he looked like before his accident but it was one of those where yep you can't recognize him literally no fingers he was shooting his bow with his mouth in one hand he had a woman standing there handing him arrows and he was, he was shooting a group better than I could do on my best day. Wow. And I just shook my head and I looked at the guys next to me. I said, I am, I am never again going to tell anybody that I'm having a bad day. After seeing what this man is doing, it was just, it was remarkable. Yeah. That's unbelievable. And I, I like I said, I commend you so much for, you know, t- t- using your platform for a wonderful cause and, you know, giving back so much. And I, you know, I, I hope, I know right now you're mainly doing the, it's, because of the, uh, I mean, legal terms, I'm probably, I'm awful at that type of stuff. You're mainly able to donate in Wisconsin. Is that correct? Yeah. Our 501c3 is only set up for Wisconsin. And I mean, it's funny, just again, a, a little God story, if you will, back the, the, the second year of our shoot, my, my plan, this was just when I was on the, on the front end of getting my 501c3. So I, for as well versed as I am in running a business, I was, I was a rookie on that <laughs> stuff back then. Yeah. And and my plan was to cap the number of shoots in Wisconsin at four. And then I was going to go nationwide with it. I was going to go to Charlotte. I was going to go to Florida. I was going to go to Nashville. I had all these places lined up that I wanted to go to. But I hadn't done a lot of homework to realize that I was going to have to have a, a fundraising bucket in those cities and states to do that. So um, I'll never forget this. I was sitting at my first shoot of the season, and I had a couple guys come down from an, like an hour north, and they're like, man, we love what you're doing. Would you think about coming to our club next year and doing one of these shoots? And I was like, well, I'm, I'm probably going to go nationwide. I'm probably, Wisconsin's probably going to get capped at four, but I'll, I'll take your card anyway. Yeah. And, and, and if things change, I'll talk to you. That afternoon, and I swear these guys got together in the parking lot, I had two guys come from about an hour south 
and it was the same conversation. Man, we love what you're doing. Would you think about coming down to our club and doing one of these shoots next year? And I'm like, okay, I, I see what God's doing here. He's wanting me to stay home. So at that point, then we started to, you know, think about, well, what can we do here first? I mean, I, I really see my, my vision for this. And I, I work or did work with, a, I'm going to call her a life coach a couple of years ago when I first got into doing this, just to have somebody to whiteboard with and give ideas yep. to it. She had me write a 20 year statement for HUPUSA of what that would look like. And I honestly think that this is something that just like the flight, I think we can have chapters in the lower 48 in the next five to 10 years. Yeah. My, my mind can't grasp that, but just knowing that there's people out there that have the same heart yep. for this. Yeah the sky is really the limit. It truly, truly, truly is. I mean, I, I don't see, I mean, geez, it's like, I think that could really grow like wildfire. Yeah. You know, if you really tried to branch that out and to other States, I mean, I think there'd be people Lining dying up. to jump on board to really help and promote that cause. Well, I think, and I think back, Chris, uh, one of my best buddies growing up uh, from elementary to actually to college, he got a job. He worked for Wounded Warrior Project for, oh man, about eight, closed, I would say just shy of a decade um, because he got it pretty much after we graduated school and he just recently just left about a year and a half ago. And when he would come up, he would meet a lot of the uh, fellow warriors in Penn State University because that's where we live and just outside of there and he would say hey Jeremy I'm in town you know I got some warriors coming do you want to come help out and I all I, I jumped at the chance uh you know every single second that I had to go meet these gentlemen and thank them for their service and um you know that was a big a big kind of like an eye opener for me and it kind of goes back to again like that what my grandfather went through and, and, you know, for how close he and I were, I grew up with him. I lived in his house from when I was a young teenage boy, my, my ninth grade to college years, that was, he was, you know, he was a big father figure in my life, uh, until he passed. So, man, I, I, again, I, I commend you so much and I love what you're doing with that. And, uh, I mean, if there's any way, I mean, it's, it's kind of like after talking to you and, and having this, I, I mean, this is our second conversation because we had that quick one last week. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's like, how could you not buy an HHA site and put one on and, and support? Or, or like, even if you don't do that, but like, how could you not want to support or go to an R100 or, you know, if you're in Wisconsin, go to those shoots and, and do that. Like, I don't see how, um, I mean, it's, it's just uh, this world needs more of Chris Hams and your vision. And I, I, I mean, I mean that wholeheartedly. It's just... It's emotional, man. It's it's a it's a big, big endeavor, and, and I, I commend you a lot. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, I'm not looking for recognition. I got about, I think it was about a month before ATA. I got an email in my inbox, and it actually came to my HHA USA email, which I don't I don't get a lot of email there. Most of the stuff comes through social media. And at first, I'm almost like, well, this is junk. I'm going to get rid of it. But then I saw ATA on it, and the ATA recognized us with an impact award. Wow. Uh, and. I mean, you talk about humbling. Somebody in my industry, one of my peers, nominated me, nominated us for what we're doing, and it's like, man, that's that's great. And I had to do a Zoom, you know, acceptance speech because there was no ATA this year. <laughs> yeah. And I'll say the same thing here that I said there. That that's awesome that that we got the award. But I hope that you know, yeah. I mean, part of me wants it to bring more attention to what we're doing, but I hope that it inspires other people to do what I'm doing, whether yeah. it be for veterans, for homeless people, for cancer, for sex trafficking. I mean, there's there's so many causes out there that need our attention. Yeah. And there's people that have the wherewithal and the means to do something about it. Right, right. So, so that's my thing is that whatever it is, whatever the cause is, get behind it. And even if you don't want to start one, volunteer. I mean, I, I when I started this thing, I mean, my wife is an absolute angel. She helped me with all the behind the scenes stuff, all the door prizes all the, the money changing hands, all that. She's the, she's Oz behind the curtain when it comes to running HHA USA. I'm, I'm the front man, but it wouldn't be possible without her. But now I've got in the last three or four years, I've met some great, great friends that have become volunteers. Uh, and I've got, I've got 10 guys that are gonna get ready to hit the ground run in May 15th when we have our first shoot. We've got nine events in 18 weekends. So I mean, from, from May 15th until Labor Day, every other weekend, you're gonna see us somewhere on a 3d course in wisconsin raising money for veterans and i wouldn't be able to do that without those guys that's awesome chris well 
I mean, that's awesome. I, yeah, I think, you know, I think a lot of people just need to get some motivation, like you said, to impact others to do good. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, whether any cause that you can think of, you know, they, they say, you always hear them say, oh, you know, they should do this for them people or they should do this. Well, you know, maybe you should be the initiative to, to help it, it out and start it out. You know, if you have an idea, get off your butt and, and, and try to do something. And I think a lot of people use the excuse of time. I don't have enough time. Well, you know, whether it's your organization or something, I mean, you don't have to go volunteer at a certain, you know, event, but I mean, whether it's like helping out with a website or, you know, making some phone calls, there's always something that you can do to help out. You know, it doesn't always have to be a large amount of time at one period of time. It could be something small that you do, but you're really contributing to the, the cause. Yeah, and I mean, it doesn't have to be, you know, you don't have to start a nonprofit and raise, you know, potentially this year we could raise six figures. That, that's awesome, but you don't have to do that. I mean, I think about myself just as an individual. I mean, I we have a Walmart two miles from our house. I do a lot of grocery shopping there. We have a subway there. And, and anytime I go in that place, I'm on alert looking for those veteran hats. That's, that's my thing. I love going to love Walmart or hate it. A lot of veterans shop there and yeah. so i was in there a couple days ago and, and i wasn't even in the parking lot yet and here comes a guy with a vietnam hat on boom thanked him for his service and by the time i made my 10 minute shopping trip i found two more and it was like you know that you don't have to do something big to have a big yeah. impact on somebody exactly well and that's i mean I, again, actually, it's, it's funny, Luke got brought up because uh, he posted an, an image about a coach, like just coaches the other day of, you know, the impact a coach could have. Uh, and, you know, like I just said to you, I'm varsity baseball coach. And my biggest impact person in my life was my high school baseball coach. I mean, to this day, I've, he's actually, uh, my high school's where I coach at is big enough to play my high school that is two hours away because it's there there's not a lot of big schools in my area so we have to travel a lot and they came out and he had a chance to meet my wife and my you know my my mom was there and it was just my other family and they just uh i had him say some words to to my players and man it was so hard for me to just introduce him to my players just because i wanted to start crying just because of the impact he had on me um it's 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 it, you know like you said you don't have to do much you just have to just go up and say hello and thank them for their service and uh, again whatever passion you're doing and and that's the one thing why I'm glad I had you on Chris just because of uh, if one if I could sum you up in one word it would be just that you're passionate and uh, you know to ha to own a any type of business uh, for a lot more than you know obviously your father starting it and continuously running it so so successfully for. 30 plus years is amazing. And then flipping that on the other side of starting HHA USA, running that to where the success already in, in uh, three and a half short years is, is phenomenal. And uh, I commend you, man. And I just want to say thank you for what you're doing and hope, you know, if there's anything out in the Pennsylvania side of things where we could donate time to help out and, you know, re feel, feel free to reach out. Yeah, well, if you guys are going to that R100, I mean, that that was a, it was cool because last last year during COVID, I just, I you know, I didn't know what the what the season was going to look like for our shoots. My my prayer was that you know, give me something that can help further this cause without having to leave my couch. And it wasn't because I was lazy, but it's like you know, I do have a business to run. I'm what I think, you know, laying the groundwork for this foundation that could eventually be nationwide. We're basically writing the playbook for HHA USA right now. So within a year or two, hopefully we can say, Hey, Minnesota, you guys want to get in the game, Pennsylvania, you want to do it. Yeah. Um, but a longtime friend of mine in the archery industry that used to be editor for uh bow hunting world and archery business called me a couple weeks before Christmas. He's like, Hey, hammer. He's like, I'm, I'm getting back into the game. I still, because he was out of the industry in the food business, but, he was now basically running the marketing for Reinhardt R100. And so he was interested in me coming on board as, you know, as HHA Sports as a sponsor. And then I'm like, well, let me check it out with my attorneys. But I said, if it's a go, I said, see if they can set up a course just for HHA USA if we put a banner out there. And then they could write us a check at the end of the year for all the money they raise. And that's that's when that partnership that I just launched on social media yep. came to fruition. I mean, how, how cool is that? Now they've got 21 shoots around the country that are gonna get exposed to HHA USA. And who knows, somebody at an R100 at some point is gonna raise their hand and go, hey, Sam, I wanna do what you're doing down in Texas. I wanna do what you're doing down in Kentucky. I mean, that's that's how that's gonna work. Right? So yep. I can feel my goal. Yep. 
That's awesome, man. Well, I'm, I think we covered everything that I, you know, I wanted to cover and, uh, you know, Chris, thank you, man, for sharing your message and, you know, where could, where could our listeners find you and, and, uh, check you out at? Yeah. I mean, me personally, I'm on Instagram, Chris Ham 2517. Um, everybody asks what the 2517 is that second Corinthians 517, which says, you know, I'm a new creation when I was reborn in Christ. And that, uh, that's something I celebrated about five years ago before I got married. So, uh, and that's where my heart for veterans came from. So I'm, I'm not afraid to share my faith. That's one thing that I, that's I, good. I won't back down. I just like standing for the flag and, and my faith. Those are two things that I'll, I'll go to my grave doing. So, yeah, well, you uh, won't have an argument from us with that. So, yeah. So you can find me personally on there. And then, uh, you know, HHA USA has got both a, a Facebook and an Instagram page, uh, as does HHA Sports. And then our websites are just hhasports.com and hhausa.org. So uh, a lot of lot of different places to find us. And we've got a lot of cool stuff in the works as far as new products coming down the road, you know, 2022, 2023. Uh, we'll also be launching some really cool new apparel. Our, uh, our mutual friend Shea Butler might, might possibly have been stitching some new hats for us tonight nice. that I might have in my hands here in the next couple of days. So be be on the lookout for those. Well, um, I actually I'm not wearing our hat just because sometimes I I don't I, I wear our hat a lot. But this is a, a buddy John of mine that he runs a Hunt Pennsylvania page. So shout out to to John. But this is a hat from from Shea. So this is uh, his his work and. Uh, uh, yeah, he's he's amazing, amazing individual. First off, and uh, he and Carrie are, are two awesome people. And kind of like you said, I just talk to him, text message, and uh, just talk to him at least a few times during the week. And uh, he's wonderful, wonderful craftsman what, for what he does. So you'll be yeah, happy. Looking forward, looking forward to meeting him. One thing I forgot to share is we've got uh, a group that we partnered with. It was a gentleman that found me on Instagram last year. His name's Sam Ubel. He's out of uh, the Milwaukee area. Yep. He's got a, a show called Chase Nation. And uh, they came up and did a short, like a two-minute film on HHA USA at one of our shoots last year. And this year, he's coming up to our first shoot, the one that, uh, that Shay and his wife are going to be at. And they're going to do a 20-minute, 15 to 20-minute, like, docu, docu-film or documentary on the heart of HHA USA. Uh, and I've got four or five veterans that are going to be on there. So even though I'm the face of it, I'm going to be on there very little. I'm going to step back into the shadows and put those guys out where they belong and kind of tell the world about what, yeah. not only what HHA, but what the sport of archery has meant to them and, uh, you know, the impact that it's had on their life. So I'm super, super excited. I don't think I've ever been as excited about anything in my 35 to 40 years in the archery industry that I am about this film. I think it's really going to, everything we talked about, it's going to be put on film for the world to see. And I think it's going to be amazing to see what, uh, what fruit comes out of that. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Chris, again, so much. And everybody go check out HHA sports and HHA USA and Chris, and, uh, I'm sure you, a lot of people will be moved by this one. So thank you so much for sharing, uh, everybody go check them out and until next time antler up. And that's a wrap for another episode of the Antler Up podcast. Chris, thank you so much for coming on. Check out hhasports.com and what he has going on over at HHA USA. Check out antlerupoutdoors.com. Get some merch. Get uh, Check out our YouTube channel, our Instagram, our Facebook page. Uh, we really appreciate it. There's a really cool giveaway going on with our buddies over at Honey Hole Game Calls. Go check them out. Uh, it's it's some awesome stuff that it, it contests. It's all, you know, statewide. It doesn't matter. It's not just Pennsylvania. So give that give them a look. Uh, awesome people over at Honey Hole Game Call. So we'll be doing a podcast with Andrew coming up soon. So hopefully uh, those of you that are traveling, going out for turkeys, man, go grab one and uh, shoot straight till next time. Antler up.